Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Come, Pastor John, back to the stage. Thank God. Yeah, there you go. Praise the Lord. Um, I, yeah, when they had that picture, uh, that was not, that was Tony Evans, by the way. Assistant. Never mind. You guys are going to start laughing at some point now. I tell students all the time when I'm teaching, my sense of humor is not really good, so you have to get used to it pretty quickly, right? We've already sung a lot about it this morning, and I really am going to be intentionally as short and succinct as I can because I want the praise team to come back up in a few minutes and sing that song, the first song they sang. <clears throat> Are you dry? Are you thirsty? Are you empty? Now, I know I'm talking to the body of Christ, the church, but there are there are signs, there are symptoms, there are things that warn us. Um, you know, signs, that's a great, great thing. You know, traffic lights, that's a sign. Stop or go. I don't think anybody pays attention to the yellow. It's mainly the red or the green, right? Yellow for some people means slow down. Yellow for some people means hurry up. But it's a sign. You know that the red sign that says stop on it means this is not a trick question. <clears throat> so let, let's look at a couple of other signs. And I don't know if, if they turned out and weren't blurry, we didn't put them up. But some signs don't really make sense when we see them. This, these are real signs, by the way. I'd turn back if I were you. Okay. Look at this next one. I love this next one. Um, keep right. Okay. I told you they don't make sense. Now, actually, this next one does make sense, and I believe it should be on the corner of Indian River and Kempsville, right? That's the one they should have put up right there, because that's what it feels like, right? But, but even on church signs, we read some things sometimes, and they make sense, but maybe we just, I don't know if they're trying to be funny or what, but throw, throw those up there, see if we can see it. Um, honk if you love Jesus. Text while you're driving if you want to meet him. That, what's that next one? Need a lifeguard? Ours walks on water. Okay. I, okay, I didn't say they were good, but what's the last one? Have, who, got, who put that one up? There? I'm just kidding. Signs. Excuse me, signs. You can take that down now. We're, we don't need to look at that anymore. What am I talking about signs? What are we talking about in regards to those warning signs, those things that sneak up on us, those things that we don't expect? Now, really, I'm preaching out of John chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be talking about turning water into wine. We've been in John, and we're going to stay in John. 
Just let me set this up for another moment, because as we're going to see in just a few minutes, and I'm just going to set this up before we get into the scripture, the whole book of John is written specifically to be a testimony about Jesus Christ and a sign for people to really believe and understand that he's real and he came. Listen to what John 20, verses 31 and 30, or 30 and 31 say. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now what I'm talking about this morning is there are signs in our life, but you, you cannot miss the important signs. You cannot miss the God signs. You cannot miss what God is trying to do in your life. John takes a lot of time in chapter 1. And we didn't spend a lot of time in chapter 1 because as we approach Easter, I'm going back to chapter 1. But I, I want us to keep moving forward in John. But listen, listen to how many times John is trying to introduce us to who Jesus is. He says Jesus is the word. He says Jesus is the true light. He says Jesus is the Lamb of God. John 1.29, Jesus baptizes. He will be the baptizer with fire. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God the king of Israel, 149, and Jesus is the son of man. So, so all throughout this first chapter, he's setting us up with these identifications of who Jesus is. Now, for us to really believe who Jesus is, there needs to be proof, right? I mean, if, if Jesus is calling his disciples, and he was, we read that last week, he was calling his disciples in. He, we don't see in John where he's called all of them in chapter 1. But we know he's called Andrew, Philip, who we know is John now, not being mentioned as John, but John, um, Andrew, and, and Nathaniel. And he wraps up chapter 1. I love it when Nathaniel comes on the scene because Nathaniel's also saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So when Jesus sees him, he said, ah, Nathaniel, in whom there is no deceit in whom there is no guile. In other words, you don't put on. You just say it like it is. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He said, before Philip found you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, this is important because that right there gets Nathaniel thinking, he must be the king. He must be the savior. He must be the Messiah. And Jesus ends chapter 1 by saying, you haven't seen anything yet. Greater things you will see, Nathaniel. And that takes us right to chapter 2. Here's what, here's what the word says, starting at verse 1. Now on the third day, what's the third day? Very quickly. From the time he meets Nathaniel, two days pass. Literally on that third day. It says there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. And they each holding 20 or 30 gallons each. Now just think about that for a moment. Six stone jars used for purification. We'll get to that in a moment. But each one of them held anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons. And I did the math because with a calculator, I can do math. Um, that's anywhere between 120 and 180 gallons of wine. I even Googled how many gallons are in a case of wine. There are two and a half gallons in each regular or normal case of wine. That would have been 72 cases of wine. Okay. He said, fill the jars with water. And he said to them, now, I want you to draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, the servant who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely... That's, that's code for when people stop realizing what they're even drinking. <laughs> then you start bringing out the cheap stuff because they don't care anymore. He says, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first sign Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And his disciples believed in him. You know, sometimes we're following Jesus, but our belief, that's exactly why we do communion. We're following Christ, but every once in a while, we need to be reminded of why we believe. We're following Christ, but we need a road sign. We're following Christ, but... Just like you're driving, you need, you need a sign every once in a while that says stop. Every once in a while, you just need that yellow light. You need that green light. You need a, a police officer. Even if things get really bad, you need that police officer to, to direct traffic. Or if things get really bad, you need that police officer to pull you over. I got so irate. A few weeks ago, Diane and I were driving up to see our grandchildren, and... Um, she was driving. And now, believe me, she's the safe driver. But we were going up Route 13 up the eastern shore and just talking, not paying attention. I was about half asleep anyway. All of a sudden, I noticed we're pulling off the road, and I was like, oh, it's a police officer. And in my heart, full confession, I was like, yes. It's about time. I always get the tickets. I really wasn't thinking that. But to my amazement, this, this young officer walks up to the car, and I roll my window down, and, and he looks at us, and he sees Diane driving, and, and, and he says, well, you know, you were speeding? Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir, she was. I totally agree. <laughs> so, so she gives him her license and the registration. He's gone for a few minutes, 
And he comes back and says, hey, be safe. Here's a warning. No ticket. Be safe. So we praise the Lord. Now, what am I saying? Sometimes we need that. We're hurrying through life, and we need a pandemic to slow us down. We need a sign that says what's going on in your life. Pastor, how are you making this fit with turning water into wine? Listen, hold on. I'm not done yet. You see, what's going on in this passage? Let's break this down for a second. Jesus has just been introduced by John the Baptist and started calling his disciples. Now, the Bible tells us, we just read it, that his mother was already at the wedding, and Jesus was invited. Now, Jesus wasn't invited because everybody thought he was the Messiah. Jesus was invited. Most theologians will agree that Jesus was invited because his mother was already there, and they knew that Jesus was her oldest son, and it had to be some type of familiar um, um, relationship there or someone they knew very, very well because they just invited the friends and the family. Even his disciples were invited. And now these weddings in that culture did not last a day or two. There were multiple days, even sometimes lasting the entire week. <clears throat> and they also, all the men out here will cringe at this, they were also, everything was paid for by the groom. Everything. So the groom, you know, things have changed, haven't they? Praise the Lord. <laughs> things have changed. But everything was paid for by the groom. And, and here's what that meant. He knew that he had to entertain people because it wasn't like after the ceremony he and his bride were leaving town and everybody could just stay at the house and have fun. They, they didn't go, they didn't do that. They were all together celebrating all week long. And the groom was responsible for making sure there were supplies. There was plenty to eat, plenty to drink, plenty of celebration. The Bible doesn't tell us that they were noticing that they were running low, because in all actuality, here's what usually happens. We don't know we're, we're low until we're out. We don't realize how depleted till we are, how depleted we are until we are burnt. So the, the, the phrase in the passage here doesn't say, when they noticed that they were running low, it says when they were out, when the wine ran out, Jesus was called by his mother. And it, it wasn't a negative thing when Jesus says, woman, what has this got to do with me? It wasn't a sarcastic remark. It would be today. But it wasn't a sarcastic remark at all in that culture. What Jesus was saying is, Mom, don't drag me into this. It's his problem. But see what, what I want you to begin to put, put together here, especially as we move forward in John. You see, these, all these descriptions that John is, is describing Jesus with, there are seven major miracles that happen through chapter 11. And each one is a powerful description of how John describes Jesus. Jesus doesn't go to this wedding intentionally trying to prove something John said. This was written years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. John's just recalling what Jesus had done and, 
how Jesus lived it out. He's writing to a community of believers, of Jews and Gentiles, trying to let them know and really understand he really is the Christ. He really is the Word. He really is the Lamb. He really is the Savior. And, and it's not about us just believing that and hoping. It's about understanding that the Word gives us reminder after reminder after reminder that if Jesus says it, he can do it. So what happens? Mom, don't get me involved in this. Now, this is not a slam. But if any of you know a Jewish mother, I know several. Here's how that went down. Mom, please don't get me involved in this. Hey, you guys do whatever he says. He's in. Jesus is in. Right? Because, number one, he's the oldest. It's very cultural. It's a very natural thing. His, his father has probably already passed on. You never hear of Joseph after Jesus is 12. You never hear of Joseph again. So chances are she's been leaning on Jesus for a lot of things to solve a lot of problems. So when this problem hits and she's there with family, who is she going to call? The one who solves all her problems. Jesus. Don't get me involved. When Jesus says, my hour is not yet come, let me just throw this in. I'm a bit premature with this, but listen, this is very important. Jesus knew why he was here. And please understand, it wasn't to turn your water into wine. It was to save the world from sin. He knew what his mission was. When he says, mine hour has not yet come, he was talking about the cross. He was talking about the cross, which is still about three years away, but he knew why he had come. But he also knew that if there were needs, that's why he came. See, you and I had a need. It was called sin. You and I had a need. It was called we were lost. You and I had a need. We could not get back to God, so he came to me. When I could not get to where I needed to be, he came to me. So he knew why he had come. Well, he tells the men, those six jars over there, go get them. Now, they're jars of purification. They're not wine jugs. They're jars of purification. What does that mean? It's just jars that typically had water in it, and they would use that water to even clean utensils, but also to wash their hands or feet. They would, they would take water from that and wash themselves, wash their hands or feet, wash utensils. In other words, every house that you would visit probably had one. We might call it a hot water heater. So every house maybe had one. But because this was a large celebration all week, they had six. So Jesus looks over and sees these six large containers and says, go fill them to the brim with water. So they did. And somehow they bring them back and they're all sitting there. And then Jesus says, now take some and take it to the head man. Take it to the master of ceremonies. Take it to the guy who's overseeing all this. And you know the story. They take it to him. And when he takes the water had turned into wine. And it wasn't just okay. It, it was powerfully changed into the best wine. 
Now, I thought about that. <clears throat> because there are some, please don't Google it right now, but there are some that will say, well, you know, if, if water has the right amount of, of, of different things in it and with the different chemical compositions that might have been in the water and in the clay, it, it could have been just a, you know, a colored, sweet-tasting water. That they, no, 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 no. He didn't turn the water into mud. You see, because for even using water, for it to become wine, the chemical breakdown, the chemical composites are so drastically needed to change. I know some can make uh, wine. There are some that can make wine in like five days. You've got to be desperate to want wine if you make it in five days. Okay? On the other hand, fine wine can take years. Now, what is the point here? Jesus does in an instant with, with not even the right composition, with not even the right molecules in the water, and makes the best. And, and he says, as this is coming to a close at the end of this passage, that because he manifested his glory, the disciples believed. Now, what does this say for us? What does this mean for us? I really don't have uh, any points. I, I, I did have some points that I was going to try to just walk us through. But I've got just a few things that I want to drive home that I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Because, see, I, I just believe in my, in my spirit this morning that I know there are people sitting here today that are empty. You're dry. It's not an attack. It's you've been living life. One of the most interesting things about this whole pandemic is that anxiety levels are so high that new anxiety levels have become the norm. New anxiety levels that in the past we would have said, man, I, something's wrong, I need to relax, I need to chill. You get used to living there so long, that becomes the new norm that impacts your health, it impacts your blood pressure, it impacts all kinds of things, and you just live at this new level of anxiety, and you wonder why there's no joy. And then somebody, some preacher comes along and says, he'll give you peace in the midst of the storm. And you're like, I don't, I don't feel that. i got to feel something. I, Pastor, what do you mean? I, you don't even know the storm I'm talking about because you've gotten so used to living up here with your anxiety. It would almost be like the groom running around worried about the wine being gone. Because here's the other fact about the weddings at that time. If people didn't like your party, they would take their gift and go home. There were even in that culture lawsuits suing the bridegroom for what they had to spend to spend the whole week there. I mean, it, it sounds silly, but we sue people for less silliness than that. So it's, it's, it's not that it's, uh, I'm not pushing that as much as I'm, it was a very, it's a big deal. And when we think that, well, we're, we're going to make it, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. Well, after about six months of we're going to make it and you just have no joy, you're empty. 
You have no peace. And we know that anything can, can cause it. This isn't just about pandemic. Think about your relationships. Think about anything in your life that causes stress, that causes anxiety. And this, just, this isn't a message today about Jesus comes to take away all your pain. No, because there will be suffering. There will be tables in the midst of your enemies. There will be difficult times. But I just need you to get this picture in your mind. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had no, she wasn't stressed out. She just saw a problem and said, Jesus, uh, fix that. She wasn't being sarcastic, talking to God with an attitude of, do what I tell you to do. She was a mom talking to her son, who happened to know who her son was. Just like you and I need to know who our father is and know how to talk to our father. Not out of sarcasm, but out of expectation. I can honestly tell you that as a child and as a young man, whenever we would sit at um, the dinner table, because we still ate meals together. Remember those days? We still ate meals together. And it didn't matter what our family was going through, I never was afraid at the table. Well, except my dad. I was... But, but I knew that no matter what we were going through in life, it's not going to mess us up. Why? Because I trusted my dad. I knew him well enough that even if I got in trouble and he confronted me, I knew he had my back. I knew even if I was disciplined, and listen, discipline is discipline, right? The Lord chasteneth those he loves. But I knew I could go to my dad and say, Dad, I, I need help here. What'd you do now? Well, this time it wasn't my fault. Tell me the truth. I promise this time it wasn't my fault. But I need help. Please, you've got to help me. See, when you have a relationship with your father, you can say things like, God, you've got to. You promised in your word. You said in your word. If I lay my burdens at your feet, you said in your word that you sent your word to heal our diseases. You said in your word that I can have peace that passes all understanding. You said in your word, see, we've got to have the kind of relationship just like the mother of Jesus that when she looked over and said, get on that. She wasn't being sarcastic. She wasn't being um, some type of um, attitude. It was, I have a relationship and I know what he can do. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say anything else about her in that story. It was almost like she was able to just back away because she knew he had it. Now, I'm getting off track here a little bit, but this is good. You know how many of us just will not let go of the jug? Lord, I'm empty. Here it is, fill it. Set it down. No, 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 no. I, I got to hold it for you, Lord. Because I need you to fill it the way I need you to fill it. I need you to, I, I need you just, Lord, actually, if you fill it all the way up, I can't carry it. So I just need enough to get me through to next Sunday. I just need enough to, to I know I'm meddling. 
I just need enough to get me through the day. See, what if you would just lay some things down and let him fill it up with new wine? With something so precious, it replaces everything you've ever experienced. It replaces same marriage, different people. Now, I might need to explain that one. I'm not sure. Same, same marriage, same people, transformed. Same, same marriage, same workplace, same kids, same parents, transformed. This is, you see, now what has to happen is we have to be able to say, Lord, here's the problem. It might, for some of us, look like, Lord, here's the problem. I give you myself. Because you know what? And we sang about it. We're going to sing about it again in a few minutes. You know how he makes graves, gardens? No, no he can do it supernatural. He can speak. We're going to get to that in a moment. He can speak, and it'll happen. But if you and I, if he tells us to go out and start plowing, Guess what you and I need to do? Go out and start. But Lord, nothing else has worked. Obey. Go fill up the jugs with water. Come on, we're out of wine, Jesus. This is the stupidest thing we've ever done in our lives. I can't, be, I can't believe I'm doing this. We need wine, not water. But they were servants. So they did what the master said. See, we, we've got to be willing to be servants. And if God says do something, trust that he can turn the water into wine. Now, why is this important and how does it match up with John chapter 1? And, and where does it impact and cross our lives today? Well, number one, again, the composition of wine and water, totally different. Chemical breakdown, totally different. Go home. Take out your chemistry sets, knock yourself out. But water will not turn into wine by itself. I mean, even if you just try to let it sit for a long time. The, the chemicals that need to be added, the alcohol, the sugars, the fermentation process, all of those things that are added that make the wine. Now, here's what I'm trying to get. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. <laughs> you know what that says to me? That God can look into your emptiness. And even if it's filled with what you think is mundane or just plain water, he can make the best, because he doesn't need your stuff. He can speak into nothing and make something. He can speak into your nothingness and turn your water into wine. He can speak into something that the chemical composition doesn't even exist for hope. He can speak into something that the DNA of what you think needs to happen doesn't even exist. Lord, I need 
peace in the storm, but all the things that bring peace don't exist. And he says, that's okay. I'm the word. I can speak, and it'll be there. I can just simply whisper, and it happens. <laughs> I know we'll get there in a few weeks, but when Jesus stands on the bow of the ship, because the disciples are just scared out of their minds. Now they're in a storm. They wake Jesus up. Jesus does not, the Bible does not tell us that Jesus got up and shouted, peace be still. He just spoke. He just spoke. Jesus, Jesus didn't tell the servants to go fill the jars with water. Listen, to the brim. Fill them all the way up. Have the kind of faith that says, my life is filled with things that are going to never measure up to what I think. God keeps walking me down these paths that just don't make sense. The preacher keeps telling me to do these silly things like pray. Prayer gets me nowhere, right? That's what we start thinking. Oh, come on, don't stop now. That we start thinking, man, I read the Bible once, and it just didn't work. I tried praying, and, you know, it just seems like, a, you know, listen, can I just tell you something? Relationships take time. Jesus Christ has already paid the price, but I, he's not the one we just run to to get our needs met when we just have a bad day. He wants a relationship with us. And when you're walking in relationship with him, I'm not beating you up if you've not been reading or praying. I'm encouraging you. Start reading and praying. You'll be amazed at how when you recognize his voice and he recognizes your voice, in the, in the middle of the night, he can just stand up and whisper and you hear him. But we have this need, this emptiness, in John chapter 2. And it's not about just getting our water turned into wine. You may need that this morning and we're going to pray. But here's what I also want to challenge you with this. That when you leave here today, will you believe? See, it's not just about getting my need met. What, what, you, what we miss in this passage is that that simple sign, yes, it blessed families for the rest of the week. 72 cases. They don't even remember that week. All right? But here, here's what we know. It was a blessing to others. Sometimes the reason God can't get your water turned into wine is you don't want to get it out of the jug. It's to be a blessing to others. But it, it's also, here's the point of this passage. When you leave having seen Jesus operate in someone's life or in your life, you believe. Because one step after the next, Jesus is proving, I am who I said I am. Who John is trying to describe to us, the word, can speak into your life right now. He can speak into your nothingness right now. He can speak to where you're sitting. You may just be simply watching this morning. But where you're sitting, if you're watching the recording, I hope you're not driving, but if you're watching, wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing, he can speak into your nothing. He's the word. 
He can speak into what seems to not add up. The chemical composition, I hope that's making sense. All the things that are necessary that I've been trying to work with for so many years, I just can't get it to work. (laughs) He can. He can speak into it. And you'll be shocked how he takes what you think is lost and it becomes the best. How he takes what you think is mundane and it becomes the best. We're, we're still getting ready for another marriage ceremony. Because at the end of the age, there's going to be a bride and groom, Jesus and his church. And it's going to be called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I promise you, no one will be empty. I promise you. And there's going to be times in our lives now where where we're going to walk through some dark valleys. There's going to be times when our table is set before us and we realize we can feel the heat because we're in the presence of our enemies. But he has anointed our heads with oil. Our cups run over. There's joy. There's peace. There's gladness. And listen, I've got to practice what I'm preaching right now. My, my beautiful wife is sitting right there, and she could tell you that there are many, many, many days that I'm hard to live with. You know, at, at least two that we can count in 40 years. <laughs> I think 2,020. I'm not sure. Anyway, so here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. You know, if you're human, you need Jesus. If you're human, there's going to be empty days. And this isn't about just getting a need met. It's about a relationship. Jesus wants to prove himself to you. Now, I'm going to pray. And whatever your need may be, whatever that emptiness is, it may be a relationship, it may be a job, it may be something you're walking through right now, But just just pray with me for a second. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us right now. Lord, there's no way that, that some of us are sitting here having not wrestled with something or wrestled with issues or wrestled with the fact that we've tried and we've we've bought in and we've even filled our lives up with the things that we think we need. Lord, speak to that nothingness right now. Speak to the mundane. Speak to the ordinary. Lord, I pray that some of us be obedient, and and even though we feel empty and depleted, when you say, fill the jugs with water, we may not think it's necessary. We may want you just to speak the wine into existence, but Lord, really what you're after is our obedience. Lord, let us not be so wrapped up in just wanting to get the answer, but let us be consumed with the relationship with a God who is the answer. That when we walk away from this church today, or when we walk away from from different issues in our lives, and we realize that they no longer consume us, but we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with joy. We are filled with gladness. And it's not about getting what we want. It's sharing what we have with others. That, Lord, you just continue to do a work in our lives. But, God, I pray that you touch us right now this morning. Speak to our hearts. 
Holy Spirit, speak to those areas of our lives that no one else can seem to touch, but you can. You're even showing us right now. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. I'd like for us to stand. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.